Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Let's go ahead and go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number four. And for those of you that are just uh, joining with us, uh, we've been working our way here. Uh, been talking about the spiritual gifts. And uh, does anybody need a handout for today? Did not get one? Adrian will hand you one. Just slip up your hand. And so we've been uh, working our way here through uh, the spiritual gifts about uh, what God's Word teaches about this. And um, let me remind you again about our definition of, of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are channels by which God's blessing, um, His grace, comes to the church for the purpose of edifying the believer, maturing the church, and glorifying God. And this is actually going to be the last week where we'll be in Ephesians 4 looking at uh, particular those spiritual gifts and how they are used to bring maturity in the church. Um, and then we'll move on from there to go to probably uh, either uh, 1 Corinthians or Romans 12. I'm, I'm thinking 1 Corinthians that we'll, we'll move in over there and start looking at those gifts and what the purpose of those, how they edify the church there. But uh, so far we've seen that the resurrected, ascended Christ gave certain spiritual gifts to the church. We saw that in, uh, uh, there in uh, verses 4 through 10. Christ, who resurrected, he gave gifts to men, gave gifts to the church. And remember, those gifts that he gives, they are not offices. They are spiritual gifts. Uh, we got to make sure that we're understanding that and clear on that. Uh, verses 11, 13, we looked at those specific gifts that he gave, right? There was apostleship, evangelism, prophecy. Uh, some see pastor-teacher or some see pastor and then some see teacher there. But uh, all the purpose of those is they are all centered around the Word of God. And uh, that is so that we can be equipped to do ministry. Remember, I'm a sheep as well. I need to be equipped. Um, the other elders in here as well, they are sheep. They need to be equipped. So who's equipping us, right? Um, who, is, who is shepherding us? Who is teaching us? Who is the one that is equipping us with the Word of God? So all of us have a part in that, uh, being equipped. And uh, we use those spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. And we looked at uh, those four things of what the building up of the body is. Remember, attaining unto uh, that uh, spiritual man, attaining into the fullness and stature of Christ. Right? We looked at those. Now today we're going to be looking at uh, verses 14 through 16. And I want you to see the end result of that building up of the body should bring, which is maturity. So as all of us are utilizing our spiritual gifts, as we've been equipped by those that have these uh, particular spiritual gifts there in Ephesians 4, as we are equipped and we are using now our spiritual gifts to minister to the body of Christ, uh, the result of that is going to be maturity in the body. And uh, when I think of maturity in a church body, I think of spiritual health. Spiritual health. That is, uh, that is so important that we have spiritual health. And what is the spiritual health of Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship? What does it look like? Uh, how, how, are we, how are we doing spiritually 
in a, in a spiritual health wise. Like if, uh, if, if we were to look at it from the standpoint of, do we need to go to the ER and uh, we need to be resuscitated? Do we need to have all kinds of IVs and tubes hooked up to us? Or are we, are we functioning like we should, right? Uh, how is the spiritual health of Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship? Uh, there's always room for growth in all of that. So if we desire spiritual maturity by using our gifts as we build up the body of Christ, we need to have some way to gauge that spiritual health. We need to have some way that we can look at it and say, okay, here is where we are supposed to be. Here are the marks. How are we lining up to that? Where are we getting closer to that? How are we getting closer to that? Uh, because if you use your spiritual gift and I'm using my spiritual gift, the goal should be us driving us towards spiritual maturity. And so we need to have some marks that are going to say, yes, we're heading in the right direction. And so we need to have those vital signs of the body to determine if the church is growing in that way towards maturity. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. As you use your spiritual gifts, know what spiritual maturity looks like so you can help the church grow in the right way. As you use your spiritual gifts, know what spiritual maturity looks like so you can help the church grow in the right way. Let's take note here at a few things. Uh, let's look at verse number 14. So Paul continuing on here, talking about the gifts, talking about uh, how the spiritual maturity comes within the church when people use their gifts. Verse 14, he says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. And so when we talk about spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity in a church, there will be doctrinal discernment. Doctrinal discernment. Now, looking at the context of this whole passage, it's pretty clear that those with those specific gifts of apostleship, prophecy, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are to be equipping those within the church with the Word of God. So really, the Word of God should undergird the health of the body. This is the whole idea of verses 11 through 16. It's, it's really one long sentence that uh, you see there. So as we are equipped for the work of ministry through the word of Christ, the body grows to maturity in Christ. Last week we saw in verse 13 that a mature church grows into doctrinal unity, right, on those core essentials of the faith. We grow into a deeper knowledge of the Son of God through our de deepening knowledge of the word of God which reveals Christ to us. And so as a result of those with these specific gifts equipping the saints with the word, the church will grow into a healthy body. And a mark of a healthy body is doctrinal discernment. So if we are desiring to help the body of Christ grow into maturity as we are equipped by others in the church, and when we use our spiritual gifts to help the body of Christ grow, a result of that maturity will be that doctrinal discernment. So what is doctrine? Sometimes we get these words like this and we kind of go, you know, maybe just goes right over our head. We're not really sure what we're talking about. What is doctrine? Doctrine simply means teachings. That's all it is, teachings. What you are being taught, what you listen to, read and repeat, 
all of us, all of us are always being taught doctrine. Always. And it doesn't always come in a sense, in a church setting when we gather on Sundays. Because there are secular forms of doctrine that are always being taught to you. It's taught in your home. It's taught uh, from the living room couch. It's taught on your TV. It's taught on the internet. It's taught what you listen to. It's taught what, on the radio. It's taught in the schools, right? It's taught on the job site with your coworkers. Everywhere you go, you are always being taught doctrine. And that doctrine does affect how you live your life. Because what you believe will affect how you live. And so doctrine, you're always being bombarded by this. And this is why it's so important to always be renewing our minds. Because if we don't renew our minds with the word of God, of what is truth, what is, what is a reality, what, what God says, that doctrine will affect how we live. And so we got to change our thinking and start thinking biblically in the right way if we want to have doctrinal discernment, if we want to have maturity in the church. It amazes me how illiterate the church is on matters of doctrine. I believe that many Christians are not concerned with matters of doctrine. All they care about is, well, you know, we all love Jesus and that's fine. Do you realize how dangerous that is? Right? We, we have to make sure that we understand what God says in his word and cling to the teachings of the word of God. And not just accepting, as what Paul says here, every wind of doctrine, right? We're being tossed to and fro. And so if we want to see spiritual maturity in the church, a result of that, when we utilize our spiritual gifts, there will be doctrinal discernment in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, many believers are carried about by different winds of doctrine that are usually propagated either in our culture or many times within the church. Paul says here that a mark of the maturity in the body of Christ as it's being built up will result in doctrinal discernment. To help you understand this, let me explain what kind of culture that we live in today. We live in a culture today that values feelings over truth. Feelings over truth. Really, it's a postmodern culture that we live in today. You say, what is postmodernism? Well, basically, postmodernism is basically there is no such thing as absolute truth in the spiritual realm, or if there is, we cannot know it. Postmodernism makes truth subjective. So, what is true for you might not be true for somebody else. And if you feel that that truth is acceptable to you, then, hey, that's fine for me, but don't tell me that my truth is wrong and your truth is right, because if you want to believe that, that's fine, and I'm going to believe this, and this is fine, and in the end, it's all just going to shake out and work out for the good. Nope, sorry, it doesn't work that way. God has spoken authoritatively and clearly on what he says truth is. And as believers in Christ, we need to have doctrinal discernment. We need to know what the truth is so that way we can speak the truth, as you'll see later on, speaking the truth in love, right? That's part of the body of Christ working together. And so this postmodernism 
view has even infected the church today. They say things like God is all-inclusive or Jesus was not the way, the truth of life, but rather a roadmap or all roads lead to Jesus. I've heard pastors say this kind of garbage. Uh, or it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love Jesus. There are pastors who teach a watered-down message of the gospel so that it would not offend people. Our churches have become entertainment centers to entertain the goats, dazzle the crowds, and make you feel all warm and fuzzy. That's the kind of culture we live in today. And if we are going to have doctrinal discernment, we need to know what does God say, and we need to cling to that truth. And one of the ways that this all happens is as we are using the spiritual gifts in God, as God has equipped us with, we bring about, there's a, there's a, there's a doctrinal discernment that happens uh, when we are growing in that maturity. You know, the entire Bible, especially the New Testament, is filled with warnings about false teachers and exhortations to believe the truth is revealed by God and hold to that truth at all costs. Consider some of these verses. Matthew 7, 15, Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are voracious wolves. In Matthew 24, 23 through 26, Jesus warns us that in the last days there will be many false Christs and false prophets that will de deceive many, even the elect, if it were possible. The Apostle Paul warned of false apostles who are disguised as angels of light and servants of righteousness in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. He warned the Galatians in Galatians 1, 8 and 9 that if men distorted the gospel of Christ, they were to be accursed. To be anathema is what he says. He warned the Colossians in chapter uh, Colossians uh, 2 ver uh, verse 8 of those who were trying to take them captive through philosophy and empty deception. He warned the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 13 that in the end times there will be a major apostasy that will deceive many. And in his final three letters uh, to Timothy and Titus, there are frequent exhortations to preach sound doctrine along with warnings about those who have turned to false doctrine. And in his final meeting uh, with the uh, church at Ephesus, he warns the elders that were there, the, the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 28 through 30. Listen to what he says. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son, I know that after I am gone, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own group, men will arise teaching perversions of the truth to draw the disciples away after them. The epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John 2 Peter, Jude, and Revelation all have strong warnings against the dangers of false teachers. And so in our text here, uh, in Ephesians 4.14, Paul says that we are no longer to be children, but we need to be growing in spiritual maturity so that we are not tossed around by the waves and the winds of false doctrine. And I think it's important to understand, when we talk about false doctrine, I think immediately our minds go to, you know, these charlatans, these hucksters, you know, these TV evangelists, you know, going to sell you a miracle, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. Yeah, those people are false teachers. But did you know that there are other forms of false teaching that creeps into the church that's not just dealing with salvation? There are so many different ways that false teaching comes into the church. 
And so it's important that if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to be utilizing our spiritual gifts and that maturity is supposed to be coming, there needs to be discernment in doctrine. And notice what he says here about these waves, right? He says that, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. These waves and winds of false teaching are the powerful currents of worldly philosophy that Satan brings on the scene to undermine biblical truth. These false ideas vary from generation to generation, but they always represent an assault on God's word of truth. So why does Paul use the word child here? Well, some other translations read infants. Yours may read infants, but why a child? Well, here's a few things about that. Children act impulsively based on feelings of the moment. They don't think rationally. And so he, he wants there to be spiritual maturity within the church. And he says, don't be a child in all of this, right? Don't, don't act impulsively based upon your feelings of the moment. Uh, they, don't, they don't think things through thoughtfully and carefully. Also, children often lack self-control. So he says, grow up, grow in spiritual maturity. There needs to be doctrinal discernment. Then also, children are easily deceived by evil people who want to take advantage of them. They're deceived, easily. So this is why it's so important that you as a believer in Christ are grounded spiritually in solid doctrine so that you won't be tossed to and fro by your feelings, so that you don't be tossed to and fro uh, because you don't have self-control, and you're not tossed to and fro because you become easily deceived by evil people who want to take advantage of you. Now notice what he says. Then he says these false teachers use trickery, because look what he says. He says, they're tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, trickery, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. They trick you. Craftiness here is used of Satan de deceiving Eve, 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I am afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his treachery, your minds may be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, don't be deceived by these things. Deceitful scheming indicates that there is a deliberate plan, and because a lack of doctrinal discernment People are duped, tricked, and schemed into believing all kinds of false doctrine. So Paul says, grow from childhood to maturity so that you don't get taken in by the spiritual charlatans. This means not only reading, but also studying your Bible. This is all part of being equipped spiritually, right? That means that when the truth comes and you hear the truth, sometimes it's hard to listen, because it confronts what we may have previously held to and believed, and now we have to make a decision. Am I going to continue in this way, or am I going to follow truth? Sometimes it challenges our traditions, but if we want to have doctrinal discernment, if we want to grow spiritually, when the people that God has placed in the church to equip us, we have to listen have to listen to truth so that way we can have doctrinal discernment 
And so a healthy body is discerning in its doctrine. Here's the second thing. A healthy body or a mature body is going to speak truth in love. Notice what he says, verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love. So don't be this child who's tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Be mature, be spiritually mature. But now, as you are equipped, as you are ministering to the body of Christ, using your spiritual gift, he says now you are called to speak truth in love. And so a healthy body will speak truth to each other. Paul is not primarily thinking here about honesty and integrity. Rather, he is emphasizing the need to hold to and proclaim the truth of what Scripture teaches and how we are to live our lives in accordance with the gospel. That's the connection in in verse 14, right? Don't be carried about by every wind of doctrine, right? The truthfulness of God's word. And so we need to speak the truth to people within the body of Christ. That means that if we want to see maturity and we want to see growth, and God has gifted you in a certain way with a spiritual gift, and you may see a brother or a sister that is drifting away from Christ, their heart is growing colder towards the things of God and towards the things of Christ, God calls you to minister to them and come alongside of them and speak truth to them and help them bring them back using your spiritual gift so that there's maturity in the body. And so he's mainly talking about holding firmly to the truth as revealed in Jesus Christ. He says this later on in verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so this means we can and should hold people accountable when they are being carried about with false doctrine because we have truth. We can know if someone is abiding by the truth or they have fallen into some doctrinal error. A healthy body must hold to, proclaim, and practice the truth of what Scripture teaches. Speaking truth means that you, uh, that you do love that person because you are willing to tell them the truth about how they are acting, thinking, and believing, and how it goes against what Scripture teaches and how we are to live. As the body of Christ is built up by using your spiritual gifts, not only are we speaking truth, but that truth must now also be spoken with love. And so a healthy body will speak truth to each other with love. Biblical love is always seeking the highest good of the person. We should be patient, kind, and sensitive in how we talk with our fellow brothers and sisters. Love does not take selfish advantage of others, but rather sacrifices self for the good of others. Love is to be the very atmosphere that permeates the church as we grow in Christ, as what he later on says in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's really interesting that love is to be the very atmosphere that permeates the church as we grow in Christ. In fact, that word love there is, uh, occurs six times in, a, in this uh, book of Ephesians. We find in Ephesians 1.4, Ephesians 3.17, Ephesians 4.2, Ephesians 4.15, 
uh, and also in Ephesians uh, 5.2. Many times Jesus confronted the religious leaders of his day with love by saying things like uh, hypocrites, blind guides, fools, and whitewashed tombs. Love is not described by warm and fuzzy feelings. Love tells people the truth because you care enough about them to keep them from going off into danger. That's what what's the real true love is. And see, we, we've, we've bought into this lie and this idea, this philosophy in our world today, postmodernism, that in order to be loving, that means that we're not confrontational. In order to be loving, that means that we have to, you know, okay, now, all right, I want to, okay, let's just, you know, what is that garbage? I mean, if your child is heading off a cliff, I mean, you're not going to be like, okay, now, just apply the brakes, just, okay, just a little bit. Stop! I love you. I don't want you to end up in a fiery car crash of danger and twisted metal, right? So we got to speak the truth, and we got to speak it with love. Truth without love can be harsh, but love without truth becomes a breeding ground for loose doctrine and air. It's not genuine love because spiritual air always destroys, always. And so if we are utilizing our spiritual gifts and we want to keep the body growing spiritually and healthy and we want it to grow in a certain way and have maturity, that means we're going to have to be willing to speak the truth to people in the body of Christ and do so with love. That means that we confront one another when we see people going astray. We don't say, well, we just leave that up to the elders to do that. That means all of us in here have a ministry to help the body of Christ grow. You're being equipped, and as you're being equipped, you need to use your spiritual gift to help the body of Christ grow in maturity, and that means speaking truth and love. Let's look at the third thing here, growing in Christ-likeness. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, he says. Remember the word until, verse 13, right? This is not complete yet. This is ongoing. This spiritual maturity is ongoing. There's a lot of work to be done. And as we utilize our spiritual gifts, we are helping the church grow in Christ-likeness. What does it mean to grow up in every way into him? Well, a healthy body should be growing up in Christ-likeness. This means bringing every area of your life under Christ's lordship as commanded in his word. Every area of your life. Your thought life, your emotional life, how you use your body, all of your relationships, your business practices, your use of time, your use of money, your use of possessions, every area of your life comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, every area. And again, this is stuff that we have been duped in thinking that I have my spiritual life over here, and that happens on Sundays, and then I have my regular life over here that happens the rest of the week. 
If you are a follower of Christ, every area of your life should come under the lordship of Christ. Every area of that. And so as you use your spiritual gifts to minister to the body of Christ, you are helping the body of Christ grow in maturity. And that maturity looks like Christ in every area of our life. This is why it's so important that everyone is taking part in helping the body of Christ grow spiritually. That means that as we form and forge these relationships that Christ has brought us together, that means that we are speaking truth into people's lives. That means that we see what's going on in their life and we want to help them grow into Christ-likeness. Can I ask you a question? Who in this group of body of believers here, who are you helping to grow into Christ-likeness? Who is helping you grow in Christ-likeness? We all have a part in that. And it takes place in all kinds of different contexts, right? Like, it doesn't have to happen just on a Sunday. This can happen, hey, you want to get together? Hey, you want to come over? Hey, you want to... It happens all throughout life. But you have to know that it's your responsibility, it's our responsibility, all of us together, to help the body grow into Christ-likeness. It means we've got to take the opportunities to look for growth. We've got to take those opportunities when God presents them to us uh, to be able to help others grow into Christ-likeness. And so this means bringing every area of your life under Christ's lordship as commanded in his word. Here's the last thing. The whole body working together. Look at verse 16. Now, isn't it interesting? Doesn't this sound a lot like verse 7? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Right? He ascended on high, led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. Right? He's, he's, he's given these gifts to, to the church. And he says, the whole body joined and held together by every joint which, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, you have been given a gift to use in service to one another. Every part has something vital to contribute. When all of the parts are working in accordance with their specific function, the body grows in love. Paul emphasized that each of us has been given this gracious spiritual gift to use in service to one another. The church is not a one-man ministry. This is not the elders' ministry here. We are all together, working together uh, to help the body of Christ grow. And so when all the parts are working in accordance with their specific function, the body grows in love. This verse has two practical applications. Here they are. Number one, the phrase fitted and held together implies that we must be close to one another in order to grow. We must be close to one another. Hey, James, let me borrow you real quick. Why don't you stand right here? Now, are we close to one another? Proximity, maybe. Okay, James, I want you to just move a couple inches over. Are we close to one another? 
Now, I can, I can reach him, right? Can you reach me, James? Okay, you can reach me. But are we close to one another? All right, James, move it a little bit closer. Are we close to one another? We're not there yet, right? But see, as, as we move in closer and closer, right, and tighter and tighter, okay, there is, there is this, this bond that is supposed to happen, okay? Paul says that each joint working together, fitted together, right, there has to be a closeness here. Now, James, why don't you do this? Why don't you, uh, why don't you do like the, uh, like the, the football, uh, you know, going to put out your hand there, you know, you're going to stiff arm somebody as you're running through to tackle somebody, right? Okay? So now, if I'm trying to get close to James, what's happening? Can I get close to him? He's got something, he's got something out there that's keeping me from being able to get close to him. Guess what? James needs to be equipped. We all have things in our lives that we are holding out, that we are keeping others at a safe distance so we can't get close to them. If we want to see the body of Christ grow in maturity and grow in love and grow in Christ-likeness, you need to be equipped. You need to deal with the things that are in your life that are keeping you from growing close to one another. And the, the, God's word says that he's going to fit these pieces together, tightly fit them together. All of our bodies they're fit together, aren't they? Right? It's not like your finger is like, you know, you get your finger and then like your nail is like way up here or something like that, like separate. It's together. It's fit together. And if we want to see the body of Christ function as it should, then there has to be that closeness. There has to be this fitting together. And that happens as we utilize our spiritual gifts. Did you know that James is gifted in something that I need that can help me grow in Christ-likeness? What is it? I don't know. James, do you know? How are you going to help me grow in Christ-likeness? There has to be something, right? And that is true of every single part of the body of Christ that is represented here. We all need to grow in Christ-likeness. Okay? Thank you, James. Here's the second part that he says about this. Every joint working and supplying reminds us that every Christian must be a functioning, serving member of the body. And so Paul's emphasis on every joint supplying in each individual part working properly shows that every Christian must be a functioning, serving member. And if your body has a non-working part, you are somewhat incapacitated. God saved you to serve him in some capacity, and the goal of all ministry is really that the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so are we using our spiritual gifts in that way to help the body of Christ mature? As we are being equipped by those with these specific gifts, right? you need to use your spiritual gifts to help the body of Christ grow in maturity in that way. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church 
or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.